You are listening to Let's Talk Trio on podcasts. Keep up with the latest episodes by downloading the Podbean app or stream episodes via our social media accounts. Search for Let's Talk Trio on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This episode is sponsored by Student Access. Student Access, the leader in Trio software. Student Access is an online database solution that allows TRIO programs to track their students' information, connect with students by text messages, streamline the APR, and work from anywhere, all online, with automatic updates for changes from the Department of Education. Their technical support team includes former TRIO staff and has over 50 years of combined experience working with TRIO. Make it easier to focus on your priority, the students. For more information and to request a free demo, visit their website at www.studentaccess.com or call them toll-free at 1-800-801-1232. That website again is www.studentaccess.com or 1-800-801-1232. Be sure to share your favorite episodes on your social media by tapping that share button. This is a great way to support the podcast. Now here's your host, Juan Rivas. Thank you, Emilia, for that wonderful introduction. Hello, listeners, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Trio. I am your host, Juan Rivas. In today's episode, we have Andrew Gonzalez, former director of the College Enrichment Program at the University of New Mexico. Andrew is on the podcast to share his educational journey, thoughts around Trio, and the future of TRIO. When we recorded this episode, Andrew shared that he would be leaving the position at UNM. I was genuinely stunned that he was leaving because he is such a great advocate for students. The reason why he left is in the podcast. I won't spoil that for the audience. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation about educational journeys and how different they are for everyone. Andrew provided his thoughts about the need for TRIO programs and our need to expand their services. So coming up in just a bit, Andrew Gonzalez. I want to take a moment to thank our sponsors, Angelica Vialpando, Rosario Riley, and Student Access. Thank you so much for your continued support. If you would like to be a sponsor of the Let's Talk Trio podcast, head on over to Patreon and become a patron for as little as a dollar a month. If you own a company and are looking to advertise, the podcast also has ad space available. Please contact us for details. Again, great episode with Andrew, and I can't wait for you all to listen to a trio legend, Please sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Five, four, three, two, one. Hi, Trio Nation. My next guest on the Let's Talk Trio podcast is the director of the College Enrichment and Outreach Programs at the University of New Mexico, attained his master's in counseling at the University of New Mexico, and also a bachelor's in economics and Spanish at UNM. Please welcome a friend of mine and Trio colleague, Andrew Gonzalez. Andrew, welcome to the Let's Talk Trio podcast. Thank you, Juan. It's great to be here with you today. You know, it's great to see you. I know that we ca- we're connected on Facebook and uh, so various other social media sites, but I uh, really just want to say uh, it's been a while since I've talked to you, and I know we keep up on on social media, but it's good to see you. Likewise, likewise. It's been a long time, Juan. Absolutely. How, how's the life in, New- in Albuquerque? Life in Albuquerque is good. It's different. You know, we're going through this pandemic, and so we've had to make some changes, and so... Um, you know, even though, you know, the fall semester began and we're back to somewhat of a, you know, fall schedule, um, you know, things are good. Things are, you know, 
being more careful, being more vigilant, being more um, aware of you know our surroundings, especially when it comes to the pandemic. So, you know, things are things are moving along. Right on, right on. And as far as for you, uh, I know that the UNM and very, various other colleges have responded uh, differently to the pandemic. How has UNM, UNM responded to this COVID-19 pandemic? Actually, I think UNM's done a great job. You know, we are having a hybrid model. And so students are either taking classes remotely, you know, online. Uh, mm -hmm. We do have some students coming in person. Uh, there's probably about anywhere from 1,200 to 2,200 students on campus per day wow. who are taking, you know, online, I mean, in-person classes. So that's classes usually, you know, who have a lab or a performance class or music class, you know, classes that are a little bit more difficult, you know, between online or remote. Um, and then we have about a thousand students living on campus. And so um, that's a smaller number that we normally have. Mm -hmm. uh, we usually have over 3,000, mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> but UNM was a very, very strategic and, and making sure that all the students only had a single room. So any student who's living on campus has a single room, just, you know, just, you know, precautions, social distancing and so forth. And so, you know, I think UNM's done a great job. I think um, we've had less than 10 cases on campus since school started. And so, oh, wow. um, you know, we're doing, we're doing some good things. You know, we are, you know, we're working on a very limited operations. And so, you know, my office is only open on certain days at certain times and, and, you know, there's only 30% of the staff who are on in person every day. Um, and so, you know, most of our work is done remotely. And so, um, you know, it's, an, it's, it's what we're calling a new normal, you know, something that, True. that we've had to take on and be very creative and how to reach out and how to support students virtually. Absolutely. I feel like the pandemic has definitely changed how we work and how we, uh, especially in higher education. I know I'm, I'm uh, right now strictly working from home. Uh, and I know that our, our offices have uh, different ways of either bringing staff in or if we really need to have uh, students meet one on one, but it's all uh, different levels of, of care and need for the students, as you said. Right. And I think that, you know, students are, are needing that face to face, you know, interaction. And so it's very difficult. Um, and so we're just making sure that, you know, we're keeping the social distance, you know, masks are required on campus. So you must be wearing a mask everywhere you go on campus. And so uh, we're trying to make the best out of it. Absolutely. I, I, I feel like, and I don't want to uh, uh, stay on this point too much, but uh, masks have really become something uh, political uh, lately that it's either wear a mask, don't wear a mask, and uh, people get upset if, you know, they catch other people wearing masks or other people getting upset that people are not wearing masks. So it's, it's, it's crazy that everything has become a little bit more political. Yes, no, it has. You know, we have, you know, we have those individuals who, you know, desire or, you know, don't want to wear a mask. And so it makes it difficult at times, but, Absolutely. you know, we respect their decisions. And so we just need to make sure that we socially distance, you know, everybody. Absolutely. What about you and your family? How have you handled this pandemic? So the good thing is that back in March, when uh, the university, you know, closed down, I was able to go back to El Paso. So my family is in El Paso. I'm here in Albuquerque by myself. I was able to spend a good three, four months working remotely from back home and, and being with family and, you know, um, really taking care of my grandparents, taking care of my nephews. I have a, a five-year-old and an eight-year-old. Um, and so at that point, you know, not only was I working remotely, but I was also helping them finish their school year. And so having to become, a, you know, a kindergarten and a second grade teacher 
making sure that they, you know, one, complete their, you know, their homework and, you know, attend class every day. Um, so, you know, so it was a little bit of balancing of, you know, doing my work and then, you know, helping them out to ensure that they finished out their um, school year positive. But I came back, you know, around June, um, we started reopening. And so um, I go back and forth every so often. So I'm grateful that, you know, my family is doing well and they're healthy and uh, we haven't, you know, aside from, every, you know, not having able to do things or not be able to go out or uh, be. So, you know, once when UNM closed down back in March, you know, mid-March, I was able to head back home to El Paso. I'm here in Albuquerque by myself. So a majority of my family is around the El Paso area. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, you know, I worked remotely from El Paso for the last, for about three, four months. And so I was able to be with my family, you know, basically 24 hours a day, which hasn't happened in a long time. Um, and so not only did I work remotely, um, but I have two nephews who are five and eight. And so, you know, I sort of became their, their teachers at that point, making sure that one, they were logging into their class, mm-hmm. they're completing their work, their assignments, their homework, um, and ensuring that they completed the semester, you know, positively. And so, so it was a, a, a balancing act between, you know, having to complete my jobs, my work, but also assisting, you know, my nephews because my brother and sister-in-law, you know, they work and so they had to go um, to work. And so I was helping them out with that. Uh, so, you know, I'm grateful that I had that opportunity, you know, also to take care of my grandparents and, you know, visit them, make sure that they're okay, make sure, you know, that, you know, they had groceries and were safe. And so, uh, you know, so it was, it was, you know, I was felt very blessed that I had that opportunity. And then, you know, I did come back um, around June when the university started opening up and moving into our summer programming and so forth. And so, you know, we're all healthy. We're all doing good. We've, I'm, you know, I'm grateful for that, but I do have friends who lost, you know, family members to the COVID mm. pandemic. And so it, it's very difficult. It's very sad. Yeah. And uh, thank you very much for sharing. I know that uh, the pandemic has impacted uh, families and people individually that it's it's caused uh, a lot of, not just uh, chaos, but a lot of uh, just disconnection and a lot of uh, frustration overall. Right. Uh, but also the pandemic has given uh, people an opportunity to discover new things about themselves and new, and discover new skills. Um, I'm wondering what skills or what are the things have you learned uh, in this pandemic? So one of the things that, that I, you know, sort of had to adjust is, you know, I'm always the, someone that's always on the go and has to be on the go. Um, and so, you know, I learned to be um, patient. I'm a very impatient person. I can be very impatient. <laughs> Um, so I had to learn to be very patient, you know, um, because things, you know, had closed down and we couldn't do much and um, being at home and, and getting things done and ensuring that, um, you know, that we were safe. And so, you know, one of the things that I learned is that I had to, I had to take a step back and, and really think about why am I always on the go? Why am I, why do I always have to be fast paced? Mm, yeah. Um, and so, you know, it, that's completely changed the way that I look at things and, 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 and just letting things fall the way that they do and not have to be in control of things and be very fast paced. Absolutely. So uh, what I'm hearing from you is that you've really learned to take a step back and, and really reassess how things are uh, perceivably right for you. It's fast paced and to maybe slow it down a little bit. Right. Okay. Right. 
And as far as uh, the events happening around the United States, you know, protests, environmental issues, severe weather, all of this stuff can be very overwhelming. How are you choosing to engage or disengage with these topics? Well, I think because working at an institution of higher education, I think we have to engage in those kind of conversations. I know that they can be very difficult conversations. And I think that um, sometimes we, you know, press some buttons that are very, you know, hard and difficult. And so, um, you know, like I mentioned, I have two small nephews and, and I've had conversations with them about what does the COVID-19 pandemic mean? And why is it that we can't go to Peter Piper Pizza? Or why is it that we can't right. go to Chuck E. Cheese or, um, you know, and to talk about that. And then, you know, they watch TV and so they see everything that's going on. And so having conversations about, you know, my, one of my nephews wants to be a police officer when he grows up. Oh yeah. And yeah. then knowing and seeing, you know, what the, what's going on, you know, with that and, um, you know, whether they're good or whether they're bad and having that conversation to say, you know, you know, what is the right thing to do? Mm -hmm. um, and so, mm -hmm. you know, those conversations and then also having conversations with students about, you know, why is it happening? Why are we protesting? Why um, things are, you know, I grew up in a very different generation. And so now, you know, things are very different and that, you know, back then, you know, I don't think we experienced many of these things, but, you know, having to have these conversations about why are these things happening and why is it important to, you know, why is it important to protest? You know, what does that mean? Um, and, you know, expressing ourselves and, and, you know, expressing our freedoms and so forth. And so I think, you know, I think it's critical to really, there's a lot of information out there. So what's the correct information, what's wrong information, and so it could be information overload. And so making sure that whatever you're watching, whatever you're reading, um, you know, how accurate is it? And so it's hard to gauge between, is it really extreme or is it not extreme? And so you know, with climate, you know, the fires that we're experiencing, you know, so many students and families are displaced from those fires. And, and you know, how can we um, have discussions about how do we support and how do we help these individuals? Absolutely. It's been uh, really tough, right? I think uh, you alluded to, uh, or you pointed out that working with uh, college students that it's, they're asking a lot of great questions about why is this happening? And uh, what is the motive? What is the end result? What should we be getting out of this? So uh, I appreciate you taking the time to talk about that as well, because I know for the trio community, um, it, it also, uh, if it doesn't hit home, it still impacts us in one way, shape or form. Right. And, you know, students, whether they agree or disagree with the stance that the university is taking, you know, is that a positive thing or is that a negative thing? Or can we have discussions or, um, for example, you know, can we bring in an administrators and have a discussion as to right. why they made that decision or why are they pushing forward this way or not? So, you know, it's, it's important to empower students and to let them know that their voice really counts. And, and so, you know, they need to get their voice out there and express their opinions or, you know, is it right? Is it wrong? And so, uh, making sure that that opportunity is there and available for them is critical. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're going to take a, a huge step back because we want to really get to know your journey, uh, Andrew, and got, get okay. to know uh, what was your path like. So can you talk to us about your educational journey and what did it look like growing up for you? So like I mentioned, I grew up in a, a, a very different generation. And so, you know, I was, you know, late 70s, early 80s. And so um, I grew up in a very low income community. Um, so, you know, free lunch, um, riding the bus, going to school. Um, I went to a school that was predominantly Hispanic. 
Um, and so a lot of, you know, Mexican, uh, Mexican-American students or students, you know, from Mexico. And so because I grew up in El Paso in the uh, Santa Teresa Southern Park area. Mm-hmm. And so my journey was learning English. Spanish mm-hmm. was my first language. Mm-hmm. Um, both of my parents worked. And so my grandparents took care of myself and my twin brother. Um, and so they only spoke Spanish. And so Spanish was our first language. And so, you know, learning English and when we went to school and, um, you know, and just, I want to say that it was a very positive, I want to say that it was a great journey. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, we experienced a lot of good things. And um, I was the type of person that was highly involved in school. So I was in student council. I was in, you know, different clubs. And um, you can say I was part of the it crowd, you know, because we were making decisions for the school and so forth. Um, And so I think that that played a positive role um, in who I am and who I have become. And so once I graduated high school, I knew that college, you know, was something that I wanted to do because my parents never got that opportunity to go to college. And so they really pushed that um, to us. And so, you know, there was difficult times, but there was very positive times. And so I, you know, I'm going to say that it was very positive. All right. And I I like how you already talked about that college was something you wanted to do. Where did the drive come from and, and how did that inspire you to to pursue uh, college? So my parents really pushed it to my brother, my twin brother and I, Um, at that point, um, because like I said, they never got the opportunity to go to college. And so they always said, um, going to college will open a lot more doors for you, um, professionally and personally. Um, And so, you know, within the group of friends that we had as, you know, everybody was talking about college and what college were you going to? And I remember the scene, the summer before my senior year of high school, um, I came to, my brother and I came to UNM. Uh, we came to a camp for student council where we were here a week and we got to stay on campus. We got to experience campus. And I think that's where I um, really loved UNM, really loved the campus and knew that I, that's where I wanted to come to, um, to college. Because I know many of our, the students either go to UTEP or go to NMSU, mm-hmm. go to the community colleges there. But both my brother and I said, you know, we're going to go to UNM. And I think it was something very different, something that my parents didn't expect. They expected us to stay home and not move four hours away to the north to go to Albuquerque. Um, and so I think that it was very positive. And, um, and I thank my parents for that because they're the ones that really pushed, pushed us. But also the recruiter from UNM really pushed us in ensuring that we had everything met and, you know, we stayed on campus. We had scholarships. And so, you know, it was a very smooth and positive transition. Awesome. That's amazing. Talk to us about your college experience, Andrew. What was that like? Again, it was a whole different time. Um, you know, UNM wasn't a minority majority campus at that point. Um, and so um, there was a lot of things that happened at UNM during our undergraduate years um, for my brother and I, you know, there was a lot of um, racial tensions going on. Mm. Um, there was a lot of, um, disagreements between different groups and so mm-hmm. my experience was was you know to some extent very eye-opening but there was many times where we were very homesick and we wanted to come home um, and having those discussions with my parents and and talking to individuals here on campus and um, we eventually you know, decided that we were going to stick it out and we stayed and and I think for that it was you know very positive for us but 
you know, like anything, there was good times and bad times. And again, you know, it's a whole different um, time back then. And so, you know, I was at UNM in the late 80s, early 90s as an undergraduate student. And so things looked very differently and things felt very differently than they do now. I think there's a lot more opportunities now for students as there were back then. Um, and so like TRIO, you know, so, so, you know, to some extent it was good and to some extent it was bad. Got you. Were there any TRIO programs available to you during your time in college? There were not. Um, so there were not, there weren't any TRIO programs at UNM at that point. Um, so, you know, there was, we had um, ethnic centers who were available, which seems a little bit more like TRIO programs. But, at, but as an undergraduate, no, we didn't have any TRIO programs. Okay. So what were some of those unique challenges that you faced during your time in college? Um, I know that um, the students from various backgrounds have those sort of certain challenges that when they go in, they either feel like they're the only person uh, attending of color there, or they feel a little bit out of place. Yes. And so, you know, back then there was a lot of conflict between if you identified as a Northern New Mexico or a Southern New Mexico student, mm -hmm. it was a very, very clear divide between that um, because everyone thought your experiences were very different and you weren't Spanish or you weren't Mexican. Um, and so there was a lot of conflict between the Latino community back then. Um, so, you know, that trying to, to navigate that and trying to, um, you know, back then I was involved in a, in a organization called United Mexican American Students, UMAS, who, which was a very historical organization back then. And we also had Mecha. And so there was a lot of conflict between UMAS and Mecha because you're either not Chicano enough or you're not Mexican enough mm. or you're too dark or you're too light. Um, so there was, that was some of the conflict that was happening as an undergrad. Um, and so, but you know, once you found your place and, and where you can get the support, I think that that really helps and assist students to become uh, more aware of who they are or, or that imposter syndrome about maybe I don't belong here. Uh, maybe I'm not good enough or maybe I shouldn't be here. And so, um, so there was, that was some of the challenges, but also, you know, the main challenge is being homesick, you know, being four hours away from family and, and not seeing your family that often. And so that was the first time that both my twin brother and I were away for so long. And so we at times saw each other going back home like every other weekend because we needed that familial support or that sense of safety or that sense of home. Um, and so, you know, that was a constant struggle as to should we go home or should we not go home or what's there to do in Albuquerque? You know, we did have a group of friends. And so, you know, that did help out a little bit. Absolutely. So it's tempting when all these challenges are presented for a student uh, to give up, a, a college student, just to straight up, just give up and be done with college, not even go in for the next semester. How did you stay motivated? What kept you in college? So my twin brother and I kept each other in college. We kept pushing each other, but we made some connections with different staff members on campus, um, either through, for example, um, back then it was called Hispanic Student Services. Uh, so we got involved with that. So uh, we were able to to um, to do some programming and to feel you know meet other individuals, meet other students. Um, I, as an undergrad, worked in the Office of Career Services, mm -hmm. um, and so I had some um, mentors there, you know, who really pushed me and who were really 
very caring and, and wanted me to succeed. And so, um, so there were individuals on campus that really pushed us and, and I think that that helped out. But also the fact that my parents kept pushing us and saying, you know, a college education is very important, you need that. Um, and so, you know, my brother and I decided to say, you know, we came here for a reason. Um, let's just stick it out and, and see what happens. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, once we get our degree, you know, we can go home if we want to. Absolutely. Wow. So you really both, both of you really held each other accountable and made sure that you were progressing uh, semester per semester. Um, one question for you is, why did you decide to pursue your economics and Spanish degree? What, what was the reasoning behind that? So my originally, so I changed my major three times eventually by the time. Oh, really? Yes. So originally, you know, I wanted to go to become a doctor, but I was struggling in those hard science classes. And I thought, no, this isn't for me. Um, I'm not going to, you know, if I'm struggling now, then I'm going to struggle in the future. Um, And so I eventually ended up with economics and Spanish. I was going to go into business and I missed the deadline to apply to the business school. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's what I ended up with. They were like, well, economics is very similar to business. It's not in the business school. It's in arts and sciences. Um, And so I said, sure. You know, I took some economic classes. I did like it. Um, And then, you know, Spanish, it was our language. And so we felt, why not? You know, both my brother and I double majored in Spanish. And so we figured, you know, why not continue that, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I was very fortunate that when, um, that we were able to, you know, continue with our Spanish language. Fantastic. And so going through this each semester, it sounds like, uh, again, with your uh, twin brother, you, you were really just helping holding each other accountable. And then graduation happened. What was that like for you both? So I graduated first. Um, <laughs> my brother still had a couple of years after. Um, and so my graduation, you know, my entire family came. Um, we were the fir- I was the first one to graduate with a college degree in my immediate family. Um, and so that was very something very powerful for my family. Um, I did get some job offers. You know, I, I, one of the job offers that I got was with Adidas Sportswear to become an economic analyst. Oh, wow. And so but I knew that I wanted to help people. I knew that my passion was helping. I wanted to come back and help students that were in my place. Yeah. And I needed to do something that was very close to that. Um, and so, you know, graduation was great. Um, graduating from UNM, you know, and feeling proud in the fact that, well, at times it was challenging, you know, we accomplished something and and, you know, I made some, some great friends and some great relationships here. And so, you know, right after I graduated, I did go home um, looking for a job back in El Paso. And I was there for three, four months um, when then I get a, get a phone call and saying, hey, there's a job here at UNM. We're thinking of you and do you want to apply? And I sure. And it was within the career services. Mm-hmm. I had worked there mm-hmm. as, a, as a work study. And so they were like, we want to keep you on. And so that's how I started, you know, my career here at UNM. That's amazing. So then you made a decision to also pursue a master's program. First, how long did you wait? And second, what led to that decision? So I waited a long time. It probably took me six years before I pursued my master's degree. Um, What really pushed me toward it was my boss at that time. Um, She had her master's in counseling. And she always said, you know, well, you're at UNM. One of your benefits is you get free tuition. Why don't you pursue your master's degree? Um, I never thought about, you know, pursuing my master's degree. I was happy with what I was doing. 
I knew that I wanted to go some in a, in a field where I could help people, um, a field where my skills uh, were needed, especially my bilingual skills. And so, you know, counseling, I was one of the few men in the program mm-hmm. um, because it's a very female dominated field and program back then. Um, and so while challenging, I think that I learned a lot and um, I was able to use, apply the skills that I already had into what, I, what my passion was. Yeah. So counseling can be a difficult field. Why did you want to be in that field in the first place? Well, in the first place, I think it's because um, you can help people. Mm-hmm. I know that many times in our community, you know, we don't seek counseling. We don't seek a counselor. We usually go, you know, to an elder or to a priest or, you know, someone in the church. Um, and I knew that I could change that and I can help that. And so one of the things that happened while I was in the program because I was bilingual, we were able to bring in bilingual clients that I would see through my practicum. Um, and so, you know, that was a positive thing. And, and, and it also helped me to, to, you know, really hone on my Spanish speaking skills when it comes to counseling, because some of the terms are very different or, you know, very difficult to translate to Spanish. Um, and so I really enjoyed it. I think it was a great program, um, but I knew that I didn't want to do mental health. I didn't want to work in an institution where you were constantly, um, you know, working with, with individuals and helping them. I knew that I wanted to help, but I wanted to continue helping students. And so, you know, I really moved towards uh, school counseling and, and preferably higher education. So. Right on. Well, Andrew, we're going to qu- take a quick break on the, on the podcast. Uh, we'll be okay. back with Andrew Gonzalez uh, in just a bit. Three, two, one. And we are back with Andrew Gonzalez. He is uh, Director of College Enrichment and Outreach Programs at the University of New Mexico. Uh, Andrew, we were just talking about uh, your college journey, uh, graduation, and how you got into a master's program. Uh, Now we're curious because uh, counseling is a far cry from higher education. How did you, how did that transition happen? From counseling? Mm Mm-hmm. So, um, because I was, I was, I was doing my master's program while I was working. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I was working full time. So right. I was already working in higher education. I was working at El Centro de la Raza, which is our Latino center on campus. And so um, I was doing both things at the same time. And so taking classes in the afternoon or evenings, um, but also working full time as a, as a, as an employee. So, so that was an easy transition because I was able to do both things at the same time and, and get the benefits of it. That's awesome. So how did the work with TRIO start coming about? Like, how did you start getting involved there? So back in 2007, that's when I took this job as director of college enrichment and outreach programs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that department had four TRIO programs. Um, so it has, so, you know, we currently have 
um, Upward Bound, the Educational Opportunity Center, mm -hmm. uh, Student Support Services, and the McNair program. Aside from, you know, I have some additional programs that I oversee within uh, college enrichment and outreach programs. And so at that point, when I took the position, I knew that I had, you know, I had heard about TRIO. Mm -hmm. I knew about TRIO, but I wasn't really involved or really um, know about, you know, all the regulations or know everything that it had to do with. Um, mm -hmm. So when I took my position, so I really had to learn about um, what does it mean to work in TRIO? Um, what are the rules and regulations? And so I knew that it helped first generation low income students with disabilities. And so, you know, that's a passion of mine. And so it was a, a good fit for me. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's what I said, you know, that's why I applied for this position. And so that's why I've been in this position for the last uh, 13 years. And so um, that's how I started my, my journey within TRIO was, you know, first getting myself wet in that and then overseeing the programs and, you know, I serve as principal investigator for all trio programs, and so, you know, it's been it's been a great it's been a great journey. So, t talk to us about your position, Andrew, at UNM. Uh, overall, your role and how does it contribute to the mission of UNM? So, you know, I'm the director of college enrichment and outreach programs. Um, I oversee seven programs, uh, programs that provide access to higher education, provide uh, success to students in, in different forms, whether it's through um, academics, whether it's through, you know, social um, settings, whether it's through financial support. Um, and so I work basically, you know, my programs work from K through 20, you know, so we have programs that are early in the elementary um, where we're exposing students to college, but we're also, I have programs like McNair that go past, you know, to pursue your PhD. And so um, you know, we work with students who are, you know, low income, underrepresented, just students with disability. Um, and so, you know, all the programs really mesh together and work together. And so, you know, our mission is to ensure that students, one, have access to, to higher education. Um, but second, they also have that access to be successful once they pursue higher education. And so we provide different programming through mentoring, tutoring, um, financial support, um, social support. And so, you know, that's the mission of the University of New Mexico is to serve the students in the state of New Mexico in providing these type of services and support to ensure that one, we recruit the students, but second, we maintain and retain them and we graduate them. And so my programs, you know, are very critical in that area and to ensure that once we, you know, we recruit them, we retain them and we graduate them. That's amazing. Uh, can you talk to us uh, about why do you think um, TRIO resonates with so many students, um, either professionals or students? Well, I think TRIO resonates with so many individuals because it's, it's, it's who they are. Um, you know, they come from, you know, disadvantaged backgrounds and they want to, you know, they're pursuing their, their dream, their, their, you know, they want to get a college education. Not only do TRIO programs help students uh, graduate from high school, but also, you know, graduate from higher education and then eventually pursue, uh, you know, a master's or doctorate degree. And so because it's, it's who they are and because we go into um, those vulnerable communities. And so, um, you know, it resonates with so many people because we're providing services that assist students to be very successful here at the institution. You know, we see that those students who are involved in our TRIO programs are graduating at a higher rate than those students who are not. Mm, um, and so how can we, you know, how can we make sure that, you know, maybe, you know, through some of my other programs, we can provide 
similar services to assist those students who are who are not eligible to be in a trio program because you have to be you know first generation low income um, or students with a disability to be eligible to, for a trio program mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, for you looking at your experience in working with UNM as uh, you've ha- you've helped you've uh, had and worn many hats under UNM what continues to get you up and going to serve students the thing that gets me going is watching a student cross the stage at graduation. Um, one of the programs that I oversee is new student orientation. And so I get to see the students when they first come to the university, you know, very timid, very shy, uh, very, you know, not knowing what the, what the institution or what college is going to be like. And then I get to see their journey and, and to graduation. And so it's a, it, that's what really keeps me going is that here's a student that I saw that I met with was very shy and didn't know what to do or what to expect. And here they are now graduating with a college degree. Um, and so that really motivates me um, to continue doing the work that I do, so. That's, that's amazing. I mean, I know that a lot of trail professionals have their own reasons of why they wanna help students, but you really want to see them succeed and, and really get across that stage and get their degree. Right, right. And higher education uh, recently has come under fire for bias and 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 other times expense, uh, and a variety of other factors. Um, and I know uh, working for a university, one really wants to go up and, and defend and say, you know what, college education is still worth getting. But for you, removing everything aside, do you think it's worth for a student getting a college education? I do think so. I think it's very important. It's something that no one can ever take away from you. You know, once you earned your college education, you've earned that. And so there's no one that can take that away from you. Um, You know, that's a great accomplishment. And so, you know, now we're seeing that, you know, some companies, a bachelor's degree isn't enough. You know, you have to pursue something higher than than, um, your bachelor's degree. But I think that any form of education is, is, is assisting you to not only gain new skills, but hone your skills or grow as an individual. And like I said, once you earn that education, no one can take it away from you. Absolutely. It's very telling when, right, when you're able to obtain a bachelor's degree or master's degree, knowing that that's the education you attained. And Right. Uh, you worked hard for it. You earned it. So Right. Right. Uh, what more can TRIO programs, from where you're sitting and, and your assessment, what more can TRIO programs do to assist college-going students? I think one of the areas that, and it's something that um, can be very um, very touchy is that I think that TRIO can, would benefit helping our undocumented student population, you know, because you have to be a U.S. citizen to be a participant of TRIO. Um, we have a large percentage, especially in New Mexico, of undocumented students who are attending the university and, and they're not able to participate in our programs because they don't meet the requirements. And I know that they're, they're looking for that type of support. They're looking for that type of assistance. And so I only wish that we could make that change in the legislation. And I know that there's been conversations about it, but I don't know how soon that change could happen. But I think that's one way that TRIO can assist college-going students is that, you know, while we still advocate and we still push, you know, for programs and for financial assistance and for the Pell Grant financial aid and so forth, I think that our undocumented population needs that assistance as well. Absolutely, I agree. I feel like government now is is trying to address uh, dreamers and and the undocumented and figuring out how to best 
provide a, a path to citizenship. And I think more, more than anything, even if it's not a path to citizenship, but it still allow uh, students who feel like they belong here and figuring out ways to uh, help them financially and uh, support them. Uh, that way it, it doesn't feel like they have to, uh, right, go under the radar and seek for help that way. Right, right, I agree. So there are people from all political sides of the spectrum that agree that TRIO makes a huge difference. And I'm, I'm wondering kind of out loud, how can a regular person make sure that these programs continue? How can one person support these programs? So I think it's critical to advocate for these programs. So anybody can, you know, call their state representative and, and say, you know, I support TRIO, I support, you know, my son or daughter maybe participated in the program and this is what benefited for them. Um, you know, in the last couple of years, TRIO uh, has been on the chopping block when it comes to cuts. And so we've been fortunate that we haven't been cut. Um, you know, and one of the things is that, you know, I've been involved with TRIO on the regional and national level. And so I'm fortunate to know what's going on um, when it comes to legislation, when it comes to Congress. And so it's always critical, you know, that we, um, and, you know, encourage our participants, encourage our families um, to really talk about how positive TRIO has helped not only the family, but the student. And so whenever a Congress, um, you know, one of our congressional delegates has a town hall, you know, I always encourage our students and their, and their families to attend that, that town hall. You know, you have a voice, you have something, you have something to share. And so I think it's always critical for them to hear how these programs are impacting their lives, but it's also impacting, you know, the state, the economy, education, and in and, and so many ways. And so that's one of the ways that, you know, people can uh, support TRIO. Absolutely. Looking at your college experience and reflecting on your work, would you do anything differently? I think one of the things that I would do differently is that I didn't travel abroad as an undergrad. Um, you know, I didn't have the funds to travel abroad as an undergrad. And so I think that that's one of the things that, that I regret not doing. And so um, I think that going back, if I could do it all over again, I think I would, you know, go for a semester a year and travel abroad and not travel abroad. And I would always encourage students, you know, if you have that opportunity, take that opportunity because you're going into a new place, a new, a new, a, you know, a new environment, and you're going to learn from that and it's going to make you a better person. Absolutely. I like, I love asking that questions to professionals because they really, they take that moment to reflect and, and think back of, huh, my experience, I could have enhanced it this way and, or I could have done this a little bit differently. So it's always different. The, the answer is always different on that question. So what was, um, what has been the most rewarding aspect of your job? What has been the most rewarding? I think that the networking that I've been able to do on a regional and national level. Um, so not only have I been involved in TRIO, but I've also been um, involved in NASPA, which is the National Association of Student Personnel Administrators. Mm -hmm. um, and so I've been very involved uh, regionally and nationally with that organiza organization as well. But, you know, I did serve as uh, SWASAP president, which SWASAP is our regional right. organization for TRIO, the Southwest Association of Student Assistant Programs, which, you know, has five states in that region. You know, New Mexico is part of that, mm -hmm. that organization. And so, you know, I was able to serve as president for that organization. So, you know, I was able to go and advocate on behalf of our TRIO students and our TRIO programs on a national and regional level. And so I think that, that you know, those, ha those areas have been very rewarding for me because I've been able to meet a lot of people and I have a lot of contacts around, you know, across the nation. 
Oh, that's amazing. I want to take a step back and, and take uh, just a moment to reflect. I, I know that uh, budding professionals and professionals always have a mentor they look up to. Do you have any mentors that you looked up to throughout, not only throughout college, but through your, your professional career? Yes, I've had several mentors. Um, and so, you know, I still stay in touch with many of them um, because I think that mentors are important, especially when you just want, you know, some advice or, or have a you know, discussion as to am I doing the right thing or am I not doing the right thing? Or is this something I should do or is this something I shouldn't do? Um, and so, you know, I've had very ma many mentors um, throughout my career and throughout a when I was a student. And so, and then I, in return, you know, I become mentored to so many students as well. Um, so, you know, I've been able to mentor students, you know, who, who have been wanting to go into this field, who want to go into student affairs or to work as, as a college professional. And so I've been able to uh, provide opportunities for those students and, and many of them have taken those opportunities and are, are now working in, you know, higher education. That's amazing. Would you like to take a moment to recognize some of your mentors now? Um, sure. You know, some of my mentors are like um, Dr. Liselle Torres, who's the Vice President for Student Affairs here at UNM. Um, Dr. Tim Gutierrez, who serves as my supervisor. Um, Laura Valdez, who's very involved with NASPA here at UNM. And so, you know, those three individuals have been, you know, some, some individuals that I've really looked up to. Awesome. Thank you for, uh, for sharing that, Andrew. We appreciate that. Uh, what advice would you share with a trio participant that's either pre-college or currently in college? I would say to, to look and, and take advantage of all the resources that are available. Um, many times, you know, students don't take advantage of those resources, but also know that you're not alone in, your, in, in the process. You're not alone. There's so many individuals on, uh, you know, at either a high school or a middle school or in college who are there to assist you, who are there to help you out. And so know that this journey is not just on yourself, but we have, there's so many individuals that are here to support you and to help you out. And so, you know, I would say, you know, seek out all those resources, but also seek out, you know, individuals who are there to support you. That's wonderful advice. What about uh, something you'd like to say to TRIO staff members that are currently listening to the podcast? I would say thank you for the work that you do. I know that it's not easy work. I know that it's very, um, can be overwhelming. And so, you know, I would say keep going, you know, uh, we're making a difference, you know, we're making a difference in many students' lives and many families out there. And so I would say, you know, keep going, but also make sure that we do have that work-life balance because we tend to overwork, I think, in TRIO. Uh, many times we're, you know, working long hours or working weekends. And so I would say, you know, take care of yourself, you know, and, 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 and be proud of what, what, you, what you're doing. I love it. Love, love that recommendation. So any words of wisdom for all of our listeners that are either non-trio or trio related? I would just say, you know, um, we're living in a different time. This is a new normal for many of us. Um, take time to not only take care of yourself, but also uh, take, take time to be respectful of each other and to, um, you know, there's a lot of precautions that we have to take. There's a lot of things that are going on. And so, you know, my recommendation or my advice is, is, you know, take, you know, take it day by day, you know, um, there's so many things that are going on that can be overwhelming. You know, we have the fires, we have COVID, we have the hurricanes, you know, I feel like, you know, we're being impacted in so many different ways. And so um, know that there's support out there, but also know that we have to take care of ourselves physically, mentally, um, to make sure that one, um, that 
we you know we continue doing what we do but if we don't do those kinds of things then you know we're not going to be here more after that I absolutely agree. And what a great way to really uh, bring that message home. So thank you, Andrew. Uh, Again, Andrew Gonzalez, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It was an honor to have you and to talk about your journey, your education and higher education as well. Uh, And it's just an overall pleasure to have you. Thank you, Juan, for really having me. I know that we've been talking about this for a long time. (laughs) We have. That that we had the opportunity and it's always been an honor and it's great to see you and and you know one of the things that that i'll be sharing you know you know right now is that i will be retiring and so no way what my last day is january 1st at the university january 1st oh my goodness and so you know i have a something you know to look forward to and i don't know what my future looks forward to and i hope that at at i you know there's an opportunity to continue doing the work that i do but at this point you know, I don't have any plans and I hope to take some time off and, and, and see what's available and see what I want to do now. So, but yes, it's been a pleasure. It's been a great journey and, and I feel very blessed by everything. Well, we're going to have to catch up with you either before your retirement or after retirement, just to see how things are going and how you're enjoying it. Uh, I you most definitely one. Absolutely. Andrew, can you do us the huge honor in signing off? Sure thing. Hi, this is Andrew Gonzalez. I'm the Director of College Enrichment and Outreach Programs at the University of New Mexico and TRIO Works. Andrew, thank you so much for that wonderful sign-off. It's been an honor to talk to you. Thank you, Juan. It's been a pleasure. Are you a participant, alum, or staff of a TRIO program? Do you want your program highlighted? You or your program could be featured in an upcoming episode of Let's Talk TRIO. Get a hold of us by going to our Facebook page or Instagram and send us a direct message. Search for Let's Talk Trio. We want to get your story to the public. Again, a great episode with Andrew Gonzalez, former director of the College Enrichment Program at the University of New Mexico. Andrew, the Let's Talk Trio podcast wishes you a happy retirement. Thank you for all your service. Remember, you too could be on the podcast. Send us an email at letstalktrio at gmail.com. Let's Talk Trio spelled L-E-T-S-T-A-L-K-T-R-I-O at gmail.com. Or direct messages on our social media accounts. We have Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. A huge thanks to our sponsors, Angelica Villalpando, Rosario Riley, and Student Access. Thank you for making this podcast episode possible. You too can be a sponsor. Head on over to Patreon and become a patron for as little as a dollar a month. I'd like to take a second to thank the podcast team. Amelia Castañeda, our producer, marketing manager, and social media manager. John Russell, our music producer, editor, and technical support. Juan Rivas, executive producer and host. Honorary members of Let's Talk Trio include Tony Ho, Roderick Chambers, and Scott Kendall. Thank you all so much for listening, and thank you again for all of the support. We will catch you on the next episode.